I'm Nancy McKay, founder and CEO of McKay CEO Forms. You're listening to the McKay CEO Diary podcast, and I'm your host. Join me as I talk to successful CEOs who share their real experiences about the challenges they've faced, the mistakes they've made, and what has ultimately led to their success. My book recommendation for CEOs today is The Self-Employed Life by Jeffrey Shaw. So many of our members are selling their businesses or leaving the corporate world to become self-employed. And this book is loaded with daily business and personal success habits to help people make this successful transition. Our guest today is Diana Swain. Diana Swain is the founder and principal of newly formed Diana Swain Strategies. Recently, she left CBC News after 33 years as one of its top investigative journalists and senior editorial leaders, capping a journalism career of a total of 37 years. She was the first woman to win the National Award for Best News Anchor and ultimately won it three times, also covered three Olympic Games. She has two grown children, Mason and Lara. Her partner is Eric, who is a leading technical producer for TV productions. She lives in an authentic log home north of Toronto, built in 1863, and loves snowshoeing. Diana, welcome to the podcast. It's been pure joy to work with you as my communications coach over the past year, and I'm so thrilled to welcome you as a strategic advisor and forum chair at Macasio Forms, in addition to your CEO coaching uh, business. And I'm so grateful that you're going to share your inspiring leadership story with our listeners today. So let's start at the very beginning of your story. Where were you born and what was your childhood like before you left home? Well, thanks for asking me to join you here, Nancy. And I'm going to have to get a copy of that book as someone who's just left the corporate environment for her own business. Um, But my story starts 58 years ago. I was born in Thompson, Manitoba. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm the only person on your podcast so far to say they were born there. You are correct. Um, And we were there until I was about five years old. And then my parents ended their marriage and my mother moved my sister and myself, my younger sister, to Chilliwack, BC. And that's where I grew up. My mom is still there. I get back there as often as I can, as you know, and I often stop by and try to visit with you as well in Vancouver. And uh, that was home for me. And my mom, as a single parent, uh, worked, worked incredibly hard, had a very modest paying job. But in spite of that, bought and paid for her own home and raised two girls on her own. So that was incredibly um, influential for me, watching her struggles, um, being there, you know, right beside her the whole time. And those were also really key lessons for me. I learned about hard work. I learned about the value of a dollar. And I learned things are not going to happen unless you make them happen. And so... When you think about one of the key challenges that you've had to overcome, because you've been so successful in your career and with your personal and family life, what's what's uh, one of the key challenges uh, to help you achieve success in your life? I think it's going to surprise people who know me as a journalist and a broadcaster that the thing I really had to overcome, even as a, I would say, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old was shyness, crippling shyness. When I was, I'd say maybe 15, even when we had extended family to our house, I would eat dinner, but I'd eat before everybody else came. I was just too shy to even eat in front of other people, just far too self-aware, too worried about what people thought. 
So for me to have found myself into the career that I did is kind of remarkable to the people who've known me for a long time. But I pushed through that and realized that I I had dreams of a career that were not going to happen if I couldn't find a way through my shyness. And I worked on that. And, you know, it's interesting as a journalist, you're not going to develop much of a, you know, I'll still call it a Rolodex because I'm 100 years old, but you're not going to develop a Rolodex or a contact list if you can't pick up the phone and call people. You're not going to get scoops. You're not going to have stories. And you're going to have to cold call people. And I really pushed myself to do that and develop that. And there's still moments of shyness that I, I struggle with, but for, for the most part, I pushed past it. And thank goodness, because the career wouldn't have happened without that. Well, Diane, you're definitely not a hundred year, year old person because <laughs> we're both 58 and we turn that around the same time. Right. And so inspiring for you to share that that's what you had to do. And so were there people that helped you overcome that challenge? How did you do it? You know, I'd say the person who was probably the most pivotal in the beginning was my mom, because she is not shy. My mom and I joke all the time about the fact that she was born and raised in Germany. She's very proud of her heritage. Um, I always joke with my mom that, you know, she doesn't she doesn't ever give you a compliment without taking a little bit back. She is very blunt. And my mom was always surprised at my shyness and couldn't quite understand why it was there. And she was really pushing me to have the confidence to speak my mind, to have the confidence to, to use my voice and the confidence to go get the career that I wanted. So in the early day, I would say it was really my mom who was saying to me, like, you're, you're going to have to figure this out and pushed me to continue to do that. And then as my career went on, I was lucky to have so many different mentors who said to me, you know, you can do this. It, the only person who thinks you can't is you. And that was a really terrific lesson to learn very on early on in my career. And I was on air by the time I was 21. And, you know, already getting feedback. That was well before the world of social media, but people would write in or call in and tell you what they thought. Sometimes they loved the work you did and sometimes they didn't. And I had to learn how to manage my reaction to that, which did a lot to get me past the shyness. So I probably owe as much to people I never met, but simply heard from as I do to the people that I knew really well. Well, and we believe that feedback is a gift at Macasio Forums and you're like living proof of, wow, the impact of feedback ongoing, the good, the bad and the ugly and the impact it's had on your career success. And now you're on to your next chapter. So uh, tell us about your next chapter and what is motivating you today to be an inspiring leadership and everything you take on in this next chapter. Well, the next chapter, as you mentioned, is running my own company. And so I'm going from working for a very large corporation, a very high profile corporation, to being a business of one. But I'm incredibly excited by it and motivated by it, and I feel ready for this chapter. I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, but not really a way in which to showcase that or step into it. So for my 58th birthday, this is what I've given myself, is the chance to do something that has been burning for me and that I am excited about. And the motivation really, I would say, other than my own motivation to wanna just kinda answer this call that I've felt for a long time, are my kids. I wanna model great behavior for them and give them the opportunity to know that when something is not simple, 
It doesn't mean you turn away from it. It means you find a way to step into it, lean into it. And, you know, my kids are 26 and 28, and I see that in them already. So they're watching this very closely. They see that their mom has stepped away from a high-profile career um, and an income and all of the things that come with that to do something that feels a bit brave. But I don't really want them to think of it as brave. I want them to think of big choices and big moves as just the thing that you do in life. So I'm not going to give up on this. They're going to be my motivation. Well, and I really am so inspired by your courage to transition to your entrepreneurial journey and have a huge impact on people that you really want to help. So who are the types of people that you, and this is related to my next question, which is, what are your big dreams? Like, who is it that you're going to serve now that you're uh, Diana Strategies, Inc.? <laughs> um, you know, my dream is to make this a company that that uh, I can step into and really bring all of my energy and my experience to. And I'm excited by that. It's fun to be excited about the job that you're doing every day. And I've enjoyed my career immensely. I feel so grateful and fortunate for the experiences I've had. But this is something new, and that's kind of fun, too, to wake up a little bit scared about, okay, <laughs> what do I do today? How does this work? Who knew? I had to get an HST number. I mean, just I mean, silly things, but I'm putting together all the bits and pieces of this, and that's fun. But I think I'm motivated in part by being able to use my skills differently, to work with people on communicating better than they do. And I meet people all the time in my career who've been incredibly successful in the world of business, understand their business backwards and forwards, but struggle sometimes to articulate a strategic direction, even to their own staff. And that's where I really see myself doing something is working with people to say, I know that you know what you want to say. Let me help you figure out how to say it in a way that lands with people, that's impactful, that that doesn't leave lingering confusion because that's just a time waster for everybody. So I'm excited about doing that. And, you know, I'm also excited about showing people that you can change the direction of your career. I was on air for probably 30 years when I made the decision to go behind the camera and work as an editorial leader. And that's a very unusual career change. People who are on air and have had a successful on-air career tend to stay that way and do that until they are done. And for me, that just didn't seem fulfilling. And so I redrew my own path and now I'm doing it again. And I'm, I'm not sure this is the last time. I like the change too much. I like the challenge too much of seeing what's next. What am I capable of? Yes, we, we did commit to each other that we're going to 120 and then we're <laughs> gonna go boom. So we have a long runway. And I want to thank you for being such a game changer for me. I can remember the first time we got together for uh, for drinks and I was so nervous to just even be meeting with you because you're so articulate and you've mastered the ability to communicate and what have you. And then I was able to hire you to help me kick off this CEO podcast show, which wouldn't be in existence today if it wasn't for your coaching and all the coaching you've worked with me when I was on stage for our summit and what have you. So uh, I'm just so uh, honored to be able to work with you and to be able to introduce you to our community at McCasio Forms. 
And as you know, our community is full of game changers, CEOs, executives, and business owners that are all part of our McKay community because they do want to be the best version of themselves and they do believe in surrounding themselves with game changers. So who are the game changers that you are going to be surrounding yourself with to help you be incredibly successful in your next chapter? Well, then there were two of us nervous at that dinner, Nancy, because you are a force of nature at our powerhouse. And what you've created with McKay CEO Forums is something I am just deeply impressed by and impressed every time we have a conversation. So I'm going to put you on my game changer list because you already have been in, uh, in also encouraging me to step into this new space. Um, and I think, you know, surrounding yourself with good people is key to a good life whether those are the people you work with or the people that you choose to spend your time with outside of work. To me, it's, you know, crafting your life is a never ending task, putting the right people around you and also knowing when your, your, your time with someone is done, I think is really key to being honest with yourself and the people around you about what's, what's working for you at what point in your life. So I'm more and more thoughtful about that. As I get older, or at the halfway point, we'll call it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the other game changer for me is probably someone, it's not a person, it's a collection of people, and they've been there the whole time. And in my career, often the people that I met and interviewed were people who have just gone through something really, really challenging and really difficult. And sometimes I would interview them and think, you know, I'm so impressed by their ability to push through something that's so hard. And it motivates me on difficult days when, you know, I'd rather stay in bed and pull the covers over my head or whatever, that, you know, there, there are countless examples around us all every day of people who have pushed through something hard. They get up, they keep going. And that's when I'm saying to myself, Swain, let's go out of bed. You have things to do. You have a very good life. And, uh, and nothing but opportunity in front of you to do something else. So do it. And I know that you're doing a lot of work now with CEOs and executives related to executive presence. Right. Which you shared your own story of how you had to overcome your shyness to develop that very uh, successful executive presence. What are some of the things that you see that people really do need to do in order to really get to that next level of executive presence so that they can influence the people around them? I'd say one of the things that I notice the most is that people don't take enough time to think about how they show up. And it's a phrase we hear more and more often now, but especially in this virtual world, and I was experiencing it myself in my previous role, we're doing these back-to-back -back video calls all day long. And the consequence is that people are starting one meeting well, they're mentally still in the last one. And you'll hear them say, oh, sorry, I was late. I was just in a meeting about X, Y, Z. Or they start this meeting by saying, give me two seconds. I've just got to finish this chat I'm doing over here. You set a tone when you don't show up ready for the conversation you're about to have. And it's one of those subtle things, and there's so many that come together, but it's one that I think about a lot, that we need to be present for the people we're talking to when they're in front of us. And I think that is part of executive presence. People really look to the boss to say, what's happening next? And if the boss isn't, isn't present or seems distracted, people will read into that 
sometimes incorrectly, what the distraction might be, could cause them to worry, could cause them to sort of change the culture of the business. So I think being present, how you show up means a lot. And it's, it's part of a whole package, but it's something I find myself thinking about a lot when I'm working with people. And when you, cause you are always fully present, like every interaction we have, you just, you're just right there. What's one tip you can give our listeners about how to just get grounded and fully present when you're communicating, whether it's to your team or whoever it is, your spouse, your kids, what's one tip? I think if you're someone who is prone to distractions, who's trying to manage a whole bunch of things, spin a bunch of mental plates all the time, when you're in a conversation where you need to be focused, minimize those distractions in every way that you can. It might be the space in which you're having the conversation. It might be making sure that you've left yourself enough time before it starts. Don't be rushing down the hall from one meeting to another. Give yourself the space to get ready for the conversation you're about to have so that you're really in the moment and you can lead the conversation by, by being ready for it. If you come in with something else in your mind, the odds are the other person is going to drive the conversation. Well, I love that tip. And I think that you, as you said, the physical environment and being early, I just, that's just a success habit that we all can strive towards. You're always early and it's just so fun to partner with you. (laughs) I would love to hear what are three things you've done, Diana, to help you become a successful human being? Uh, You know, I suppose in one way, one of them was um, I put myself through school. You know, as I mentioned, my mom was was raising two kids on her own, and there really wasn't an opportunity to go to a post-secondary education based on family money. It was going to have to be something I did. And at, you know, I think I was 18 years old, I was working three jobs trying to save up enough money to go to school. And I put myself through school. I had a part-time job the entire time I was at school. Um, people talk about all the parties they went to in college or university, and I think I might have gone to one not for lack of wanting to go, but I was working. But that set me up for the rest of my professional life. So that was a pretty key moment for me. I'd say the other was where I had opportunity to meet mentors and connect with them and get their advice. I took those opportunities, even when it made me nervous to approach someone and ask them. I can't remember anyone ever saying no, and I don't say no. So that's the other piece is that I've I've certainly over my career had a lot of young journalists reach out to me and in particular young women who want to know about the business, how to be successful in it. And I've always felt the sense of pay it back. And I I still think I probably get more out of that than they do when I talk to them. But it grounds me, reminds me of how I started. Um, It reminds me of the work that I've put into being successful. And I still think of those things all the time. Well, that's one of the things I love about you, Diana, is you always lead with generosity and you're always offering to support and help and anyone that you're in connection with. And so I want to just end by uh, this final question, Uh, but I'll start by saying I'm super excited that we're launching a new CEO group and we're getting started. And of course, we have Marty Parker from Waterstone Human Capital is one of our first founding members to kick off uh, uh, the new CEO group that you're going to be chairing in Toronto. That's terrific. 
I would love for you to share why you decided to become a strategic advisor with Macasio Forms as a slice of your next chapter and to become a foreign chair uh, with Macasio Forms. And what's been the impact uh, so far based on just early days of us partnering in that role together? Well, I've enjoyed working with you already as a strategic advisor and, and helping you with the podcast and, and delivering because it's also been a great chance for me to to really step into what I've wanted to do. And so you've been very gracious at saying, okay, let's work together. Let's let's see what you can teach me. And that's been a terrific opportunity for me. In terms of leading one of the forums, it feels like such a neat fit for me because I, A, love to talk. So I'm happy to get in a group and do that. But my learning, while I love books, I love to read, my learning comes from conversation. It always has. And I'm excited about sitting with a group of people who are already leaders in their field, talking openly about challenges they're facing, how they're getting through them, relying on each other for expertise. I think that's going to be such a rich experience. I can't wait to be a part of that. And facilitating conversation is something I've done professionally for a long time. So it's a very neat fit for me. And I'm excited about meeting people who are in different fields, sitting together in a room, six times a year and having a great conversation about how we manage the challenge they have and give them some tools to get to the next place. Well, thank you so much, Diana, for being on the podcast today. What really inspires me about you, in addition to being such a successful career woman, is that you love your kids and your mom and Eric and the people that you're in connection with. And that's just so inspiring to uh, be able to have fun talking about our kids and the people that we love and, and making a difference in the world, not just in, in our careers. So thank you so much, Diana, for everything you've done so far to support Macasio Forms and to me personally. And I look forward to kicking off your new CEO group in the coming weeks. Me too. Onward and upward. Thank you, Nancy. To everyone listening, thank you for joining us today. If you want to spend time with 13 other CEOs similar to who I just interviewed, then I want you to join a McKay Peer Group. Imagine having 13 other leaders who have your back, who you can learn from, and they can learn from you. Go to mckayceoforms.com to learn more and to contact our team to join a McKay Peer Group. <music>